Good to see you here today. We have the children, youth, all the young folks are in the service here with us today. Worshiping with mom and dad, it's good to have you here. As is the case, we have the pastor's treasure box, which I, which I think might still be behind the pulpit. So we have to get it out over there. My daughter usually takes care of that, and she wasn't here today. So uh, I got spoiled on not doing it, and I didn't think of it until we were sitting in here. <laughs> but we have other stuff to, to uh, reload it with, so right after the service, if anybody wants to take care of that, that would be, that would be great. We're going to be in a number of different places, but we're going to start off here in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. There was a story that a pastor told that in 1975, when he had walked into this church and he was taking the pastorate of, this church was in Indiana. And he walked on there and he saw that in the church they had the pews. And in the, in the pews, you may have noticed this, some of the churches you've been in, they have little racks and in the back of the pew, they have things like offering envelopes and visitor cards and, and they had Bibles. And he opened up one of the Bibles and he saw imprinted on the side and in the cup front cover were the words, do not remove from the church. Now, how many times do we think that maybe the, the word of God should not be removed from the church? <laughs> no, no we, want the, we want the word of God to be removed from the church. I remember uh, one church I was, I was in. Uh, this is back when people used paper Bibles more often than they, they do today. Uh, not as many people use them. But uh, he would always go around, he would say, if you don't have a Bible, we have ones that you can use, and if you don't have one at all, take it home. <laughs> That's a pretty good idea. We need to get us some Bibles we can give people to take them home. I think we have some back there. If we do tell that to people, if people don't have a Bible, just take it home. We'll get more. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. We're still in our same series, and we're getting back into it. We took a couple weeks off for Resurrection Week, did some things along those lines. But we're going to get back into this. And we're going to hit the, what I have is down as the, the last section that I wanted to get into. And I put a little summary of this here for you and up on Facebook if you had been up there to, to see that earlier. When we believe that something will happen that was not promised to us, we operate in the realm of presumption instead of faith. That often Christians, without even realizing it, are operating in the area of presumption, but they think they're in the area of faith. And when we have done that, our faith, we think, is, is the God kind of faith and that it should bring back a result. And when it doesn't, the enemy comes and he accuses us. He puts us into, into thinking that, well, it's not going to work for us, whatever it might be. But I want to bring your attention over here to Galatians, the sixth chapter in verse seven. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows. That he will also reap. Now we have to keep in mind that this is in the Word of God. This is a promise in the Word of God. Now, generally, it's meant to be a good promise, but it can also be a negative promise because he says, Don't be deceived, you will sow what you reap. So if we reap good seed, we will bring back good harvest. If we do bad seed, 
We're going to get a bad harvest. A lot of times we think about sowing, we think money. And understand that to God, of all the things that are at His disposal, that's the least valuable to Him. In fact, He tests you out with money just to see how good you're going to be with the good stuff. And before we give you any of the good stuff, I want to see how you do with the cheap stuff. <laughs> that's basically God's viewpoint on this thing. And so if we don't handle money right, He says, well, they're not handling the cheap stuff well. Why in the world are we going to give them something better? The example would be, if you were to have a, you know, a young child and they want your cell phone. How many run into that? They want your cell phone. So what you do is you go out there and you buy a cheap thing that just makes noise. It doesn't call anybody or do anything. It just makes noise. And you give them that. They throw that across the room. Guess what? I'm not giving you the real one. Now, if any of you just want to, you know, just on a side note, if any of you uh, want a cell phone that is good for your grandkids, I am, I believe I am the only one in church that has one. Well, my wife has one now, too, because she just took my old one. We have unbreakable phones. My grandson can take this and throw it across the room, and he won't break it. It will not go to the wash. We're saying we're talking about breaking. If he throws it across, yeah, I can give it to him, and he can walk across the room, and if, if he does break it, for four years, they'll replace it for free. Now, how many people have a phone like that? See, I told you, I was the only one who had it. Now, I gave you a little heads up on this. How many, how many of y'all saw my brothers coming next week? I'll give you a little rundown on that later on. But my, my brother, see, we, we both started off in the same camp. And then he veered off. And he went in, a, he went in another direction. <laughs> And so now he has an Apple phone. I have not gone that direction. And we have some spirited discussions on phones. He's not quite aware yet that my phone puts his phone to shame. <laughs> he, he still thinks it holds... It holds. Now, he'll come in here next week and he'll tell you all, all totally the opposite. <laughs> and that's fine. I'm just getting ready, getting you ready for false doctrine. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, boy, I better be on that Facebook live feed next week. That's for sure. Mm. But don't be deceived, folks. God is not mocked. For whatever you sow, you're going to reap it. Now, see, a lot of people don't quite understand the harvest. And what they do, and this is where we get in the area of presumption, is that we pray against the harvest that we sowed. There is no prayer for that. Because in order to pray that, you have to go against the word of God. Now, I'm going to show you some examples in this as we get along. But it's imperative that you understand that if you sow something, you've already put it in operation. Now, we're going to get into three examples here today. We're not going to get into the heaviest one. I'm going to say that for, I guess not next week. You have to wait two weeks on that one. <laughs> We'll get into the really heavy one. I mean, this one will just blow you out of the water when you, when you look at some of that. But we're going to give you some of the easier ones to, to take a look at as we get to that spot. But take a look at this verse here in Mark chapter 11. You all know this verse very well. Verse 21. And Peter, remembering that Jesus had cursed the fig tree. Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you have cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, have faith in God. 
That's what he starts this out on. Now, we're not getting into the next verses. I love the next verses, but we're not getting into the next verses right now. I want you to see this. Have faith in God. Brother Hagin used to always tell us, it says, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. How many have heard him say that before? He says it all the time, so don't doubt that you did. I put this in your outline for you. Just because I believe something doesn't mean I have the faith of God or the God kind of faith. Just because you, you believe something doesn't mean you have faith in it. Doesn't mean you have the God kind of faith in that. Sometimes we have human, natural faith, worldly faith, and it's, just, it's still faith, but it's not the God kind of faith. You see, the God kind of faith comes from what God said. Jesus says, I only say the things that God said. I only do the things that I saw God do. That's it. So he can have faith, the God kind of faith, because that's what he's doing. But we have sometimes heard something different. And over the course of this series, we've looked at some some things in Scripture, some promises in Scripture that we thought meant one thing. But when we go back to the Word of God, we say, well, I didn't actually say that. So we spent some time on on some of those things. I'm not going to go back and do them again here now. But I want you to see this part. Have faith in God. Now, I put this in your outline for you. You've got to write this one down. Faith in God has enemies. The faith of God has enemies. There are enemies that come against faith in God. They don't come against faith in the world. They don't come against faith in other things. They come against faith in God. The God kind of faith has enemies. Do not give in to the enemies. Now, other kinds of faith, they don't have enemies. So if you're going to stand in the faith of God there's going to be enemies that come against you. What comes against your faith will try to negate it or alter it. See, if it comes against your faith, if it can negate it or it can alter it, that's all we want to do. How many have ever seen any of those asteroid movies? Big old asteroid coming on down here to Earth. We didn't talk about it last last Sunday, but I saw the news report that the... uh, Chinese space station was coming down. And it didn't come down until Sunday night, but um, it was supposed to be coming down. I know it was spinning, so it was unpredictable. You know, where's it going to come down at? What's it going to hit? And it just landed in the ocean. But all those movies are made up about, you know, big asteroids, and they're coming for Earth. And they keep making more movies about asteroids, and they're coming for Earth. And so, of course, they're always their strategy is if we can get out there far enough, if we just veered off a little bit, by the time it gets here, it will miss us. You will see, that's the enemy strategy. If he can get your faith way back to veer off a little bit, that by the time you get to the target, it's way off mark. He doesn't always have to destroy it. If he can, he'd like to. But sometimes all he has to do is alter it just a little bit. Get you, get you going in the wrong direction. So you have to stand. You got to make a stand and don't let yourself be moved. I put here five reasons why we make presumptions. I just gave you blank lines. You can write them in there if you want to. You can ignore them if you want to, whatever you want to do. I don't know that these are the only five reasons. I came up with five reasons. If you come up with a six and seven, glory be to God. Get yourself ready. Five reasons why we make presumptions. First off, I want it to happen. One of the biggest reasons that I make presumptions in the Word of God is because I want the thing to happen. 
How many of you have ever gone for a job? And I want that job. Going to buy a house? I want that house. Going to buy a car? I want that car. If the Spirit of God came to you and said, that's not your car. And you say, I want that car. I rebuke you, devil. (laughs) I want that house. I like that house. God may say, that's not your house. Now, he's not saying that because he's going to give you some shack somewhere. He's just saying there's something better out there. You know, something better for less money or something better that fits your needs better or something in a better area. I don't know what it is. But you got to listen to that inkling on the inside, that, that spirit that says, don't do it. Don't, don't do it. But you see, I want it. I want it. Once I get to the place where I want it, now I'm in trouble. Because I'll make all kinds of presumptions. Well, God wants me to be blessed. I want to be blessed. So I'm going to make sure I have a good confession over this. That house is my house. Well, we've made a presumption. You've got to listen to the, to the Spirit of God. Certainly God wants you in a house. He wants you in a nice house. But it doesn't necessarily mean that house. You've got to listen to the Spirit of God on the, on the thing. It doesn't mean that job is the best job for you. It might be that God has a different job. So listen to Him. God will, God will tell you. He'll, he'll lead you in the right direction. I haven't told you this story in a while, and I know I've told it to you at least once before, but when, uh, when I went to, to our college, I, um, you know, you're looking around what kind of colleges are good. And at the time, I was going to be a biology major. So, you know, you look for a college that specializes in the thing that you want to do. So I was looking at colleges, and one of those colleges was down in Florida. How many can feel the call? <laughs> down in Florida. Yeah. For if I was going to go into marine biology, the school in Florida was the better better school to go to. That was one of them. But then there's also I I understood that if I was going to become a marine biologist because I've loved that aspect of biology for a very long time. My parents will tell you that at one point in the house I had a dozen fish tanks. They were in the basement, they were up in my room, they were all over the place. All kinds of fish, all kinds of stuff, plants. I was into every, anything that was alive, I was into it. So we had all these things around. So I was looking for a college that would be in this particular area. And so um, my uncle had gone to uh, a college, and so it was close by, and so they wanted me to go visit. And so I went and visited, and um, I wasn't impressed. And I think they saw that and they said, you didn't like that too much. And, ah, no, I just didn't feel it. Didn't, didn't feel it. And so I was looking at these other ones, and along the... Uh, along the line, I, I was listening to my spirit. I was learning back then to, to listen to my spirit. So I was listening to my spirit, and they said, uh, that's the college you need to go to. I didn't like that college. <laughs> little rinky-dink, tiny little college, but that's, what, that's the college you need to go to. So I said, all right, that's the one I'm going to. So I dropped all the other colleges. And so when we did the applications, I did one college application. One. I didn't do two or three. I did one. Because I figured, if God is saying this is the college I'm supposed to go to, then that's the college I'm supposed to go to. So I, I assumed that God had it all lined up. And so uh, I just did the one. And so I was sitting, I remember, I can still remember, even though it was a lot of years ago, I can still remember sitting in the guidance counselor's office. And we were talking about colleges. And I said, well, this is the one I'm going to go to. 
And they said, well, that's great that you have a favorite college that you want to go to, but it's a good idea to apply to others as well. I said, I understand that. I'm not doing it. That's the college I'm supposed to go to. That's the one I'm going to apply to. Well, that's fine. And if you get accepted, then go to that college. She, she was saying, telling me. But, um, you know, just put a couple of applications out there. I said, I don't need to. I was trying to get her to understand. God told me that's the college I'm supposed to go to. And um, so uh, that's what we So they, she couldn't talk me out of it. So I did not apply to any other college. I am not telling you to only apply to one college. Please, any of the young people that are here, I am not telling you only apply to one college. I'm telling you that for me, where I was at there, and the revelation that I got at that particular time was I needed to follow it. So I did. So I only applied to one college. I got the letter in the mail that I got accepted. I didn't get excited. Because I already knew. All right. That's good. Let's finish off the plans then. And uh, that, was, that was it. So I went there, and the college did grow on me. I did, uh, I did like that. And uh, it, it worked out pretty well. But that can be, you, you can see, you can, you can be in an area of presumption. Well, I'm just going to presume because I want to go to this college that God is just going to open up the door for me. And so you don't want to, you don't want to do it. I've told you the story here before, even when, the, when I went down to Ramah. And you know, again, I was following my spirit. God said, it's time to go to Raymond now. I didn't know what Raymond was. My, my parents had uh, discovered the, the college, the place. I didn't know anything about it. And they said, you might want to consider this for seminary. And as I was considering it, God says, it's time to go now. So I went from Kings and went on over to, to that one. And it was on a very short notice. But again, if, if God's leading you that way, he'll open the doors. And the doors were opened, and I got in, and everything was... Uh, Went fine. Well, I was looking for a job when I was out there. And so I had three different places I was going to go look for a job for. So I went into the first one and I applied and um, the manager wasn't in. So that's all I could do is leave the application. And so I remember, I can still remember making the walk, leaving the first place and going over to the second place. I can still see myself on there, walking away. And God says, that's where you're going to work. Now, he didn't say don't apply anywhere else. I said it to him. I said, well, if that's where I'm supposed to work, why should I go apply anyplace else? Turned around and went home. Went on back there the next day, manager still not in. Went on back there the day after that, got hired on the spot. Still never went back and applied any other place. Now, that could be presumption. You've got to be careful with it. Some people can hear a story like that and just say, well, I'm going to just do this. But that's presumption. I, I got it in my spirit first. And there's a difference between getting in your head first and following after that and making your spirit follow and listening to your spirit and following after that. You see, if you get a word from God, it's solid. And you can just follow it. But don't go the other direction. Brother Hagin used to always tell us about people. They heard someone who got healed tell about how God told them, get rid of your medicine. And so they got rid of the medicine and they got healed. And they said, well, I'll get rid of my medicine. Well, see, God didn't tell them that. They just assumed because it worked for them, it'll work for me. You can't do that. You've got to have that word from God. So that's how easy we can fall into presumption. Something that worked from someone else because they were in faith may not work for us because we're not. You see, it's not a faith act. Faith is following the word of God that he gives you. So if he speaks to you and says, this is what you should do, then you go out there and you do it. 
Now, I've told you the stories over there. You know, when I worked for Ken's Pizza, which was the job God said that's where you're going to work at. And uh, I told you the first couple of months, I was sure I missed it. Because <laughs> it was not that great of a place, not a great environment. I was around the most worldly people who did some of those worldly things. And I've never seen that before or been around it or had to be around it or had to deal with it. And here I was. I'm saying, dear, dear God, I just, I, this is not what I wanted. I like the job, but man, I tell you, these, these people. But I stayed with it because all I hung on was God said. So I hung on to it. And eventually it turned around and it became good. And Brother Hagen, I didn't hear this for, for a while later, but Brother Hagen used to teach us. He said, the more real the revelation, the greater the opposition. And I'll tell you what, that has worked for me. The, the greater the revelation that you got, the greater the opposition that's coming against you. So don't always pray for great revelation. <laughs> because if it comes, it's because there's something else over there. So that no matter what you do, it is still going to be a step of faith. And you can carry that through the word of God. Look at some people who had some great revelation, and yet they still struggled in the area of faith. Why? Because the opposition that came against them. It was, it was great. So, five reasons why we make presumptions. First off, I want it to happen. Now, most of those things I didn't want to happen. I was okay with them happening sometimes. But you know, with the college one, I didn't like it at first. It was kind of an old building. Everything inside was old. I like new. That wasn't, that wasn't King's. King's College was not new. That building was old. There, there are, are dead presidents whose great-grandchildren have already died who uh, golfed at this place. That's how old it was. It was old. And it looked old for the most part. I didn't, so it didn't have a great appeal to me. I didn't go there because I wanted it. I went there because it was down in my spirit. Same thing with the job. There's nothing jumped out of me. and said, boy, I want this job. You've got to be careful. If you want it to happen, you can make presumptions. Don't do it. All right, here's another one. I think it should happen. Not just I want it to happen, but, well, you know, I think this should happen. Because the Word of God has said I would be blessed. I see this as a blessing. Therefore, it should happen. <laughs> and we can reason that out. I think that this should happen. I don't necessarily have that God says thou shalt buy this house or thou shalt do this thing or whatever it might be. But I think it ought to happen because I perceive that as a blessing or something good. And therefore, God wants me to have it. But I don't have the word of God on it. I've made a presumption that that's, that's going to be true. I think it should happen. I think this is the way that it should go. And um, that, can, that can taint you. Don't let it, don't let it do that way. Don't, don't get into the thing, well, I think it ought to be this way. It happened for so-and-so. Certainly it ought to happen for me. But that's the second one. I think it should happen. Here's the third one. You'll laugh at this one. God loves me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to make a presumption because I know God loves me. I know it. 
God loves me. Word of God says God loves me. <laughs> so God is going to do this because he loves me. I mean, that sounds scriptural, right? <laughs> God loves me. That's why this is going to happen. You don't have God's word on it. You're just going on the fact that God loves you. Well, maybe God does love you, so stay out of that thing. <laughs> you don't know. But that's another reason we make presumptions. Here's a, here's a fourth one. I've worked hard and deserve this. And I'll give you, give you an example of this. Father God, I have been believing you for a new car for 10 years. And brother so-and-so just came into the church, just got born again, still smokes and still cusses like a sinner. And you blessed him with a new car. And I've been working in the church. I've been serving you all these years. I deserve this. Surely God wants me to have. And we can make a presumption based on our service record. I've worked hard. I believed long. This is this should be mine. And we can make a presumption based on that. Here's another one. I've misunderstood what God said. Well, like I said, we've covered a few of these in the when we're looking at the promises of God. Because remember, a promise of God has all of the necessary ingredients. That God has it. That God is willing to give it. And what, if anything, you need to do to receive it. That's what a promise of God has. So you've got a promise of God. You've got everything you need. But if we misunderstand what God said, then we're going to have some problems. So again, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now, how many of you are doing the reading that we do here for church? Go ahead, raise up your hand. Don't use your inside hand. Use your outside hand. All right. Have, you folks don't have your hand up. Get it, get it so that you can. <laughs> get in there. It's only one chapter a day. Five days a week. And I'm going to show you something during the, the salt meeting. How many are planning on staying for the salt meeting? All right. How many people cannot stay for the salt meeting? All right. A couple of people. Sorry, folks. You're going to miss it. I'm going to show you something at the salt meeting that you can do to help you out with this. But you got to be there for that one. If you can't be there, then get a hold of somebody who, who is because I'm not going to be around for two more weeks. I leave tomorrow. <laughs> I leave tomorrow. Anyway, if you were reading the chapter a day, you would have read this on Wednesday. Verse 8, 1 Peter chapter 3. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion on one another. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? All right, let me just break this down. Let's read it again. 
a little slower. Finally, all of you. How many does that include you? All of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. How easy is it to fall out of the area of having compassion for each other? They do something you don't like, act in a certain way, don't do something. We can lose compassion. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, and be courteous. Ah, I'll tell you what, just that courtesy thing right there. I mean, be courteous. Don't take time off from it. Always be courteous. Always be kind. Have this kind of a, have this kind of a way of being. I almost got in trouble for being courteous though yesterday. You gotta be careful sometimes. I said we had the, we had to, I was down in, uh, not, not in the city, close to the city, and then, um, I had to, had to go down into the city to, um, uh, take a bunk bed to somebody who was supposed to pick it up earlier and for a bunch of reasons it didn't work. And so, um, I told him, well, I'm gonna be close there, I can just take it on down there to you. So, they live in a part of the city where there's not a whole lot of parking, so I am parked in the street. And uh, they said, we'll come on out and we'll help you unload it. So they're coming on out and helping me unload it. Well, here comes this gentleman up on the side. And he's just, um, you know, hi, how you doing? You want some help with that? And um, actually, you know, for help for a little bit. And so I see he was coming over. Well, I saw him coming on over. And I just reached out, grabbed his hand, shook it. I said, how you doing, sir? <laughs> and we were just having a conversation there. Because I just, that's just me. I just what I like to do. I don't qualify him to say well are you homeless or you're not homeless are you nice or you have a knife yeah you know i don't qualify any of that he's coming on over he's walking across the street and he's uh talking to me so i just talked back how you doing reached out shook him shook his hand and then uh he started saying hey do you want some help with that well i can't offer somebody i don't know to go into the house of somebody so i said no 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 we're good with this we're just going to haul this thing on out here and I said, we're good. well, he wanted to help us because then he was going to ask for some money, but he wanted to do something first. I thought that's highly admirable that you at least want to do something first before you ask for money. Because a lot of times I just ask for money. I unfortunately didn't have any money in my pocket, so I couldn't give him any money. But, oh, man, that was, I almost got in trouble for that one. I, I thought, he's going to follow me on the inside. And <laughs> this isn't my house. I can't do that. But didn't get in trouble. Sweet man. Just an absolutely sweet man, and I'll tell you what, if I had some money, I just would have given him some. Because sometimes, you know, you just get a, 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 a witness down your spirit. This is okay. This is all right. Anyway, love as brothers, be tender hearted, be courteous. How easy is it for us to get callous and not be courteous? Now, it doesn't say here. In case you read it this way, it does not say, be courteous to those who are courteous to you. Have you ever dealt with somebody in the um, uh, area of customer service who was less than courteous? How should you be with them? Well, it depends if you want to do what the Bible says or not. <laughs> If you want to do what the Bible says, and this is the way you got to operate. If you don't, but if you don't do what the Bible says, what are you selling? So the Bible will tell you how to sow good seed. If you sow good seed, you get a good harvest. If you sow bad seed, what do you get? Bad harvest. So don't do that. Verse 9, not returning evil for evil. Now it's easy to, it's easy, it's not too bad. 
to be good to people who haven't done anything to you yet. It's not so so hard. But when they start returning and they start becoming evil to you, how many know it's real easy to slip into that? Well, fine. Take this. <laughs> but don't do that. Don't do evil for evil. That's in the Bible. That's what it says. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Boy, that's real easy to get into, isn't it? But on the contrary, blessing. So when they come at you with evil, what are you supposed to do? Bless them. What kind of seed are you sowing if you do that? Good seed. What kind of seed are you sowing if you don't? And what kind of harvest are you going to get? Bad harvest. You can't pray that away because you sowed it. So a lot of times we're wasting our time praying away stuff that we worked hard to sow. Not evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this. All right, let's go back up to the beginning there. Who is he writing to? All of you. All of you. So all of you are called to this. Well, amen anyway. (laughs) We're called to this. Why are we called to this? Oh, I love this next part of the verse. That you may inherit a blessing. Hmm. How many of you want to inherit the blessing without doing that? How many of you want to get the blessing without having to, to do this? Thing? You want to be able to, when people are evil, you want to be able to be evil back. If they revile you, you want to revile back. But you still want to get the blessing. And the reason is because I know about it. Sometimes we think just because I know about the blessing, I ought to get it. That is not the case. Not with God. I don't care how many people know about it. What did you do to get it? And he's telling you right there. This is what you got to do. Doesn't mean just do it when it's easy. Do it when it's hard. For he who would love life and see good days. How many of you would like to love life? It's me. I want to love life. Me and Jolly, we're, we're going we're to love life. He who would love life and see good days. How many want to see good days? All right, more people want to see good days than love life. So all who... Uh, for he who, who would love life and see good days, let him... Refrain his tongue from evil. Oh, man. Why is it that God won't just do this because he loves me? Right? Let's go back to that third one again. God loves me. That's why he's going to do this. God wants me to have uh, to love life and see good days because he loves me. <laughs> we just change it around a little bit. No. He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. What is evil in your tongue? We don't need a, a biblical degree to figure that out, do we? We know when we said evil. Let him refrain his tongue from evil. Now, it's a good idea if you keep your thoughts that way too. But if the thought comes in, don't speak it out. 
He's, he said, refrain your tongue. Understand this. If you'll keep your tongue from saying everything that's in your head, you'll be in a lot better shape. <laughs> that's, that just works out better. <laughs> keep, keep your mouth from saying everything that pops into your head. It will, it will go far better. How many of you have ever been watching a movie? And you, you watch the movie, and all of a sudden one of the characters says something, and just on the inside you go, oh, oh, that he shouldn't have said that. <laughs> oh, oh, now it's going to start. I like those guys who tell the jokes, you know, and that's when the fight started. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was fun. Who is it does that all the time? One of those trio guys, I can't think of which one of the, the trio does it. Jeff Foxworthy, that, that group, there's three of them that go around. He's always, he's one of the ones that always does that. That's when the fight started. <laughs> Let him refrain his tongue from evil, evil and his lips from speaking deceit. In other words, you get your mouth under control, your life will be a whole lot better. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Well, see, sometimes we want to not turn away from evil. Well, what's evil? Well, what's the Word of God? I mean, the Word of God lists quite a few things that are evil. If you are going to embrace them and do them, then guess what? You're not going to get the blessing. You're not going to get the good stuff. You're not going to love life. You're not going to see good days. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Now think about this. Let him seek peace and pursue it. How many of you know people who are expert at not seeking peace? I mean, if they can find something to stir up trouble, they will say it. If they overhear something, they will speak it to everyone they can in whatever way possible to generate as much strife as they possibly can. These are people who do not pursue peace. But that's what the Word of God says. Seeking. Now, now, let's put it to you. Get rid of the other people. Let's put it down on the inside of you. How many of you have ever had a juicy bit of information about somebody? And you know if you say this out loud to other people, that they would be very interested. They would like to hear this. And you might even become popular just because you're telling us because you know something. Hmm. But you decide, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go that direction. How many of y'all know that took some work? Come on, think back to the time before that you did it. I'm sure there was at least one. Maybe two. Hopefully more than that. That you, you heard this information, you got this juicy bit of uh, this little tidbit here, but you didn't go around and spread it. You didn't say it to anybody. You didn't generate any strife. And the enemy comes to you and says, oh, you could have said this. I mean, people need to know. <laughs> Brother Hagin used to tell us, he says, ministers will rise and ministers will fall. He says, you make sure you have no hand in their fall. That's not just true for ministers. That's true for other people too. But he was talking to us in, in that particular light. Don't do it. 
you get a juicy bit of information, let it die with you. Don't go on. Because here's what the Word of God has promised. And this is just one section of Scripture. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. Ooh. There's another reason for it, for doing that. His ears are open to their prayers. Now think of it this way. Little kids always have a way of pushing our buttons, right? But have you ever seen a little kid who's going around and they're stirring up trouble? Maybe you don't know any personally, but you've seen them in the movies. You've watched them in the movies and they're stirring up trouble. They're bullies. And they're all sweet and nice when they're in front of the teachers and the parents, but behind the scenes, because in the movie you get the behind the scenes. And you see these kids bullying and abusing and harming threatening other people. What happens on the inside of you? I want that child to lose every single thing that they have. I want their books to fall on the floor and be scattered all around. I want stuff to spill on them in the lunchroom. Right? You're, you're cheering them on in the, in the movie. You, you want bad stuff to happen to them. What do you think God does? When he's got people that are going around causing trouble. Causing trouble for his saints. Causing trouble for his children. And then they come and say, God, would you please? What do you think God does? Are you kidding me? I watched the movie. I saw behind the scenes. I know what you said. I know how much you are not pursuing peace. I know how much you return evil, even when evil hasn't been done to you. Nuh-uh. My ears are closed to the things you have to say there. I'm not making that up, am I? For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is what? Against those who do evil against. Now, you don't need a whole lot of biblical interpretation on that, do you? We don't need to break down the Greek. If God is against you, let's just take it the other way around. If God is for you, what's the word of God say? Who can be against you? So flip it around. If God is against you, (laughs) who can be for you? You got no help here on this. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? So basically it's like this. God sees that you you follow after the things in this list and you're, you're doing those. And then people want to come against you with evil. God says, just step aside. I'll take care of this one. <laughs> We're going to. We're going to knock this thing out right now. Mm. I put this in your outline before you got to fill this blank out. I cannot in faith 
put away what my actions have brought about. I cannot in faith pray away what my actions have brought about. Now, I'm just giving you a little list here. And you can keep on going with this. But here's the, here's the first one. If I am rude. What seeds am I sowing? And what kind of a harvest am I going to get? People are going to come and they're going to be rude with me. And then I may get upset. And I may cry to God. And what's God going to say? Man, you sowed them seeds. Now understand the principles of sowing and reaping. If you put one kernel of corn in the ground, how many come back? Many, right? Many come back. If you put two kernels, a lot more, a lot more is coming back. Now here's, here's the thing. Understand with sowing and reaping. The corn you put in the ground never comes back. The corn that does come back is different. So if you are rude to sister so-and-so, it may be a hundred other sisters completely different from her who bring that reaping. If you sow good into sister so-and-so, sister so-and-so may not be the one who sows good back into you. Probably won't be. Who's it going to be? Other sisters or brothers. Other people. Different from that one. Because the principle of sowing and reaping is the seed you put in the ground doesn't come back to you. It's other stuff that comes. Sometimes we put our confidence in the seed we put in the ground coming back and then more stuff. But you see, that seed can't do anything until it dies. And it's no longer a seed grows into a plant. You can't get it back. Don't always think that where you put the seed is where it's coming back. You see, if you are rude to a customer service person, several other people over at work might be the ones where you get that harvest from. Don't be thinking, I'm never going to see this person again. Don't be thinking that. Because just like you never saw that seed again after you put it in the ground, that stuff, that's coming back from someplace else. Law of sowing and reaping, folks. That's a promise from God. If I'm rude, I'm going I'm to be reaping this stuff back. If I'm impatient, what am I going to reap back? Other people being impatient with me. If I'm assuming, we talked about assumptions here in the last couple of weeks. If I'm assuming, what am I going to get back? People making assumptions about me. Well, that's not true because I wasn't, I lived my life. I wasn't making assumptions about other people, but they still made assumptions about me. And you know what the word of God says? Don't worry. I got this. But you see, if, if I don't do what God says, he can't step in on my behalf. He's not saying that no one will ever be rude to you. No one will ever be impatient. No one will ever make assumptions about you because it happened with Jesus and he didn't do that to anybody. But after it came, it didn't stand. It came crashing down, and so did they. Just keep doing it God's way. Don't give up on that. I put this one in here too. If I short others, how can I expect to be blessed? 
Don't have a short attitude. Well, that person wants $15 for that thing. No way I'm giving them $15. I'll give them the best 12 You saved yourself $3. You know what you all did? Sure, change yourself a blessing down the road. You don't got to go around and, and, and cheat everybody. You don't got to go around and, 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 um, and not do it. I, I just, I don't barter. I'm a terrible barterer. When we went down to Mexico and they say, you know, in, in order to buy stuff there, you have to barter. Yeah, I just didn't buy anything. <laughs> I'm terrible. Because I just look at a thing and they'll say, you know, it's, it's so much money. And I say, yeah, all right. And I buy it. Or I look at it and says, no way. And I walk out. There's no bartering. I either agree to your price or I don't. I, I, I'm just wired that way. I don't, it's, it's just not, it's not good. See, if you're, if you go around and you short others, how are you expecting to be blessed? Don't have that mentality. I know I shared this to you at least once before, but I love Brother Keith's uh, story on this. He told about a piece of equipment, big piece of equipment they were buying for the church, and they had agreed on a price, and uh, you know they were working on it. And took a, it was a long time to, to get it there, and before it arrived, before the thing was finalized, the Spirit of God dealt with him. He says, um, the price isn't right. You need to pay him more. I said, what? <laughs> pay him more. Yeah, yeah, you need to pay him more. That price isn't right. I said, okay, that's, that's, I've never really heard about that one before. So he called him up. And he had him on the phone. And he says, we've got to discuss this price. He says, oh, no, no, no. No, we discussed that price. I've, we've already agreed on that price. I said, I, re- I realize that. I understand. But the Spirit of God told me I need to pay you more. I said, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, I... I that price isn't good. I need to give you more money for it. And he did. Gave him more money for it. Why? Because the Spirit of God said to. How many of you could do that? <laughs> good. Don't, don't get cheap. You don't serve a cheap God. And if you look around in, in it, at the world that way, you're going you're gonna to have a cheap God. Don't, don't be doing that. If God needs, we need to bless that person some more and I'm going to use you to do it if you want. If God says, I'm going to bless this person and I I want to use you if you're available and you say, I am not. I am not available. Not going to do it. What's God say? All right, we'll go find somebody else. And when he finds that other person and they bless him, what's he going to do? Oh, good. Now I can bless you. (laughs) <laughs> you you did what I needed to do. You blessed them. Now I'm going to bless you. Yeah. Make sure you have that that mentality. All right. You ready for some examples? All right. This first one, I think just about every single thing you can use Eve as an example. Because just about, I put this little note in there. It seems like all things have their roots in the garden. <laughs> it just seems that way. All things have their roots in the garden. Hmm. Well, what did the Satan, what did Satan come and, and say to her? Has God really said you shall not eat? Well, no, he hasn't said we can't eat from any of the trees. He just said not this one in the center. 
And so they said, well, that's because God knows that in the day that you eat of it, you will become as God, knowing both good and evil. Hmm. And when she looked at the tree and saw that it was good, what did she do? She took from the tree and she ate it and gave to her husband with her and he ate it. See, she looked at it and said, well, I'm going to assume that God didn't quite tell me the whole truth here. Why, why did she do that? Based on the word of apparently someone, I would, I'd assume, <laughs> I'll assume, that she never met before, coming up and telling her something. Maybe she did. If she didn't meet the serpent before, you would think that there'd be less of an excuse. Because she met him. That was what he deceived. But she believed this one instead of the one that she had a relationship with. Walked in the garden talking. So see, there's a presumption on her part. Herbert Abram and Sarai in Genesis chapter 16. Just going to read the first two verses. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Just stating the facts. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from having children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. Now, if you ever have to use the word perhaps, you know you are in the area of presumption. Perhaps God will, because I don't know. That's why I'm saying perhaps. You are obviously in the area of presumption. Even if what you are perhapsing is true. It might even be true, but it's not true for you because the Word of God says whoever does something not, and they're not in faith, it is sin to them. It's wrong. You've got to make sure that you do things in faith, which means if you're going to do it in faith, you've got to have a word on it. God had to have spoken to you about the thing. So here's the one we'll get into a little bit more. Again, these are all light ones. We're saving the heavy-duty one for when? Two weeks. Numbers chapter 14, verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. Doesn't that sound like it's in line with the other scriptures that we saw? The carcasses of, of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. Now, I wonder if anyone would have the guts to go up to Moses or go up to God and say, God, I just turned 20 yesterday. <laughs> I don't know. They're pretty bold people for, for things that are not faith. Except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years, and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness." Emphasizing something here, isn't he? Not even talking about their body. 
according to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, forty days, for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely forty years, and you shall know my rejection. I, the Lord, have spoken this. I will surely do so to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be consumed, and there they shall die. Now, is that the word of God? Is that a promise from God? Now, the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against them by bringing a bad report of the land, those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. All of them. God says, I'm taking you guys out first. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. Then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. And they rose early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain, saying, Here we are, and we will go up to the place where the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Do not go up, lest you be defeated by your enemies. For the Lord is not among you. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you have turned away from the Lord, and the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up to the mountaintop. Nevertheless, neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in that mountain came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Hormah. So when God said, go into the land, I've given it to you. They said, no, we won't go. When God says, don't go in the land, I haven't given it to you. You're all going to die. He said, we'll go. So they presume to do exactly the opposite of whatever God says. And God wasn't too happy with it, was he? He even came down. Now see, they had a promise from God. The promise from God was, I've given you the land. That the people will not stand before you. I've given you the land. But they didn't want to stand on that promise. They went on another presumption. They are bigger than we are and we cannot conquer them. We are as grasshoppers in their sight. Those are their words. They made that presumption. And so they didn't obey. And then God says, fine. If you don't want to do it, 40 years you're going to wander out here until every single one of you is dead. And I'm going to take your kids. I'm going to Take them in there. And you said that the inhabitants would kill them. Your kids are going to go in there and they're going to kill them. They're going to wipe them out. And so then they said, well, we're not going to believe that word either. We're going to go out there and we're not going to believe the first word. God said, that word's gone. See, they presumed. When we make presumptions in the word of God, we take away its power. You don't want to do it. That's why we got to make Real, real sure that what God said is what God said. So we gave you it this way. Here in your, in your outline. It is imperative that I know the word, the words God spoke and what He promised. That's imperative, folks. You have got to know what God said. Not about it. You got to know what He said. You got to get into, I want to find out every word that you said about this. I need to understand it. I want to bring it into my life exactly as you said it. So the first thing you need to do is go back to the light. 
Go back to the light. What did God say? The Word of God is light. Go back to the light. Find out what God said. Don't ever assume. Don't ever presume. If you need a promise from God, don't rely on your memory, no matter how good you think it is. Go back to the Word. Read it again. Read what came before. Read what came after. Get well acquainted with it. God, I want to know exactly what you promised me. Because this is what I'm going to walk in. Go back to the light. Here's a second one. Believe God's promises. Believe God's promises. I put this in your in parentheses for you. Knowing a promise isn't the same as believing it. You may know that Jesus is your healer. That doesn't mean you believe it. You may know that God wants good things for you. That doesn't mean that you believe it. Just because you know a promise does not mean you believe it. And just because you believed it before doesn't mean you're believing it now. Go back to the light. Go over it again. Build that faith up. Believe God's promise. That's important. In Second Chronicles 20 and verse 20, talking about Jehoshaphat. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. And you shall be established. Believe his prophets. And you shall prosper. There's a reward for, for believing. Here's the next one. Sow good seed always. If you don't want a bad harvest, don't sow any bad seed. If you keep sowing good seed, then the only harvest that can come is a good harvest. Sow good seed, always. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He's a rewarder. You see, the enemy wants to come to you. And he said, you've been sowing for a long time. You keep sowing and sowing. What's it done for you? What's it done? God's not going to reward you. He wants you to stop believing that God's a rewarder. But the Word of God says, right there, makes it real claim. Without faith, it's impossible. Not unlikely. It is impossible to please Him. Without faith. We've got to have that. We've got to believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Here's the last one. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. Galatians 6 in verse 9, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Don't grow weary while doing good. Second Thessalonians 3, verse 13, But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Keep going out there and doing good. How much has the enemy ever come by you and said, Why are you still doing good to people? Look at how they treat you. Look at what's been done. Quit doing good all the time. Get even. Speak your mind. Tell them what you think. And you know, there is a certain sense of satisfaction when you come and you speak your mind to somebody who's uh, been abusive to you. But that's all flesh. Not spirit. And all that you did was 
sowed the wrong kind of seeds. Guess what kind of harvest can come? Wrong kind of harvest. And just because you pray doesn't mean that harvest isn't coming. All right, we had three light examples today. These were easy ones. <laughs> like I said, we got a big one coming up. We want to see, get you to see this in the Word of God. Because you make presumptions, it will hurt you. And glory to God, no one here wants to be hurt, right? No, we want to, we want to walk into the blessings of God. You see, sometimes we made presumptions in the area of healing. Presumptions in the area of living. Presumptions about His Word. And it's not coming about the way we think that it ought to. And we get weary. And we quit. Folks, it don't matter. You've got to get yourself to resolve to this point. I don't care if I never see a harvest ever. I am going to sow good seeds. Because whether it happens on this side or the other side, that harvest is coming to you. But God has promised that it would come on this side for you. So don't just put everything off on the other side. There's going to be a harvest over there. But there's a harvest here. Don't lose sight of that harvest. Just because you believe that Jesus Christ is the healer doesn't mean you have faith in it right now. You've got to go back into the Word of God. Go over what the Word of God has said. Get yourself in that place of faith and believing. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you. That we can have faith in your word. That faith in your word will form beliefs on the inside of us. And those beliefs need to turn into actions. And those actions will have results. Help us to take to heart the things that Peter said. And to make sure we're always sowing good seed. There's other places in the word of God that talk about sowing seed. Other things we can be doing. We need to be mindful of them too. That your spirit that reminds us, speaks to us, and helps us in this area. I thank you, Father, that we are sowing good seed. If we have sowed some bad seed in the past, we won't blame it on you if a harvest comes. We continue to sow good seed. We will not grow weary and doing good. But we will keep on going because it's in your word and we believe your word. I thank you for it. I give you the praise and the glory. Every head bowed, how many people here, here this morning, you say, boy, I can sure change the type of seeds I am sowing. Raise your hand up. I can make those seeds better. Yep. All right. Let's make them better. Father God, I thank you that you keep us mindful of your word. That we can obey it. And we can do it. There is nothing you have commanded us in your word that we do not have the ability to do. We'll live your word here. Here in this world, we live your word. And I thank you that every day we sow more seeds. We give you the glory and the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.